What's up, everybody? Hello, Bass. Episode 144. Going to be a little different. Instead of the old X's and O's and how we're going to catch bass and suck less, we're getting some behind-the-scenes Bass Match Elite Series stories. So if you're looking for something a little different, this might be the episode for you. This week, the Hello Bass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. Welcome to another HELLABASS Live. Wednesday night, March 15th, here we are. On a roll, staying consistent. I think I've got a pretty fun, entertaining, uh, unique guest. Some of you may know him, at least may recognize him. I think when you we get into the story, you'll probably recognize why uh, Shane's name looks familiar. Um, but uh, excited to have you, Shane. What's going on? Um, you know, I had nothing else better to do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just sitting here talking to you guys. And, yeah, it's funny because everybody sees that name they don't ever see my face of course Bassmaster did just implement a way to where our face shows up next to our photos in our galleries every single week which is pretty cool so yeah. i had to photoshop my eyes you know make them look a lot younger get these wrinkles out and stuff there was no restrictions on that i guess well that's the advantage of you know being able to edit your own photos you can you can do that kind of stuff <laughs> right so yeah i mean if, if you've uh, spent any time on a, a Bassmaster elite series webpage, you've definitely seen uh shane's work hopefully so that's i guess just start in and guess the background uh brian says uh audio and video is good so we'll keep rolling cool basically right after i had uh i got t-boned last summer <laughs> in my tahoe but uh, i convinced my uncle to drive me down to lacrosse for a day and uh so I could just I mean, go hang out, see some of the elite pros that I know, go to the uh, the after party. And so I was at the Elite Fest at uh, uh, Jeremiah Shaver's Garage in Onalaska, Wisconsin. Uh, after, I think it was day three, right? It was the day that uh, Jay wrapped up Rookie of the Year. Yep. And uh, a bunch of us hanging out in there, talking, and, you know, kind of like a bunch of fishermen, right? We're all just shooting the breeze and telling stories and introduced ourselves and talked about you know hey yeah i was like hey definitely seen your work and recognize you from instagram and you know recognize his name and we talked about hey you know yeah send me a dm someday and we'll, we'll do we'll do the podcast or do the live stream and uh that day has come i have been waiting anxiously like i thought at christmas i'd at least get a christmas card but i didn't or at least a <laughs> gift or something yeah, by the time I thought it would be good to do it kind of as we got towards the season. And then by the time I realized it, then we were like into Okeechobee and Seminole. I was like, dude, that guy is going to be swamped and busy. And then I was like, all right, that, that break between the classic and Seminole. Uh, and uh, one Wednesday night, the stars aligned and it turned out to be his one free night this month. Yeah, I think I've been home since maybe January the 12th. I've been home probably seven days. You know, because it's, I mean, we don't just shoot just fishing, it's fishing, hunting, boating, tactical, off road. I mean, even me and my wife shoot about 10 weddings a year. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, you know, people think, oh, Shane, he, he's the guy in the back of the boat that chases people around and shoots bass fishermen. That's like a little tiny part of what we do. Um, I mean, I've been doing this 23 years and we do a lot more. I mean, people ask, hey, you know, what do you shoot? And I'm like, 
uh, what is it? I don't shoot. Yeah, I shoot for cash. <laughs> <laughs> right. So today I shot. Um, I shot something kind of cool. Um, I can't see the name of the bait company, but they're making a new swim bait, and I don't even know all the all the details, whether it's a glide bait or a soft bait. But they wanted me to shoot blueback herring. Um, and if you know anything about blueback herring, I live in Lake Lanier, just north of Atlanta. They change colors. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're really a saltwater fish, really. You know, and so when they get stressed, they're red. When they are spawning, they're pink and, and lavender. And um, so I was like, how am I going to do this and how these fish keep the color? So I just went to the local bait shop and bought some herring and came home. And I uh, took some photos and they, they emailed me back. They're like, why are the scales missing? Because they're fragile. They're like glass. You handle right. blueback herring and the scales come off everywhere. And I said I wasn't going to talk about this, but I might have taken some Benadryl and put it in the water just to make them a little more manageable. Just make them more relaxed, make it more comfortable, right? I mean, just like a little Dramamine before you take a flight. It's the same thing. (laughs) It's for their own benefit. Yeah. And listen, no fish was harmed in that photo shoot. They were released great after after we were done. So were you just getting photos so they could do like use them as uh, patterns for paint jobs or is that what it was? Yeah. One a good pattern. And I had, I probably had a dozen and they were all different. You know, they, they all reacted differently. Um, Once they had some sedatives in them, they, they kind of calmed down, but they, uh, they're, they're huge changed. Um, So I took a bunch of like a bunch of different shots and in a matter of like literally two or three minutes before I could put them back in the bucket. Hmm. So that was pretty challenging. Yeah, I'm sure they just laid there and then didn't move at all when you were trying to shoot them. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, after they were they were sedatized, they didn't move at all. <laughs> oh, and then my dog ate one. I, I laid one to the side, you know, <laughs> to get a fresh one. And and I look, I look back over, and it's gone. And it didn't swim away. That's for that's for dang sure. And and there's my big old 86 pound white lab licking his lips like he just had like some like, T-bone steak for dinner. So that was one down the drain, so to speak. <laughs> Cooler lid AP. You saw me last night. Where was I last night? I was about to say I don't know Cooler lid. Maybe I was on the other. I, maybe it was the other live stream you saw him about that I was on last night. Other, otherwise, maybe he was stalking me somewhere in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so why Benadryl over like a CBD? Is, do you have experience with drugging fish that you know that Benadryl works or what's? Uh... Well, I don't live in California, so I don't have marijuana growing in my backyard like everybody else does. <laughs> <laughs> so it was about the only thing in our house that I thought it might might relax them. I could have poured some red wine in there, maybe a Coors Light, maybe sure. maybe a Bush Light, Lee Livesey, um, you know, but. I thought that would be the best thing to use, and it worked pretty I, good. I feel like I could see some heron getting down with some black cherry white claw. I feel like that would be good. If they're female fish, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, very cool. So I guess let's just go back. Like, So what got you into photography and why, I guess, the interest in – I mean, obviously you do all kinds of shooting, but I think – the, the fishing and the tournament stuff is probably a little bit of a, a passion project or a, a, a part of what you do that you really enjoy. So how did you get started in the whole thing? Um, so when I was like probably eight years old, um, 
my mom and dad took me to Cades Cove in Tennessee. If, you, if you're not from the southeast, you probably don't know what Cades Cove is. And by the way, sorry for the alerts. I don't know how to turn them off. Um, but, you know, I had one of those cameras that had the little cube. Keep in mind, I'll be 50 years old in September. Had the cube on top and everything took a picture, it would no, turn. Turn, yeah. Yep. So I shot, you know, they had these like big 8, 10, 12 point bucks. And I'm, dude, I'm, type, I'm like eight feet from them. I took all these amazing photos and they all came back blurry. And I told my dad, I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy a real camera and then I'll never take a bad photo the rest of my life, which was a lie because I, I have <laughs> like bad photos, obviously. But me and him, th- this kind of tells the redneck side of who I am. We, my dad used to trap for, uh, for fur coats for the, you know, the, the fur line. And so I ran a trap line with him one year and bought my first Canon T50 film camera. And that was probably 1980, I don't know, six, 87. And um, that's kind of how I got started. So I take it everywhere. I, if I went hunting, if I went fishing and, you know, I never, never knew that it would like bring me to where I'm at now because, you know, either you live to work or you work to live. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't make sense either you like my dad worked for 22 and a half years at Uniroyal uh, Goodrich plant building tires on the same machine with the same guy for 22 years but he enjoyed his weekend and his time off or you have the guy that does something he loves to do and you don't wake up in the morning ever and go you know what I don't want to go to work today there's almost not a time when I wake up and go I really don't want to go do this today and so there's a big difference in that and I, I kind of got started when I was very young and um, I had uh, taken a job at a company uh, called Kudzu out of Phoenix City, Alabama. And they, they made hats for NASCAR, Bass Pro, Bass Master. And I was a sales guy. And um, I always wanted to be more than that. And there was a lady in accounting, the lady that wrote our checks. She came by one day and she put a card on my desk and she goes, Shane, I want you to call this person today right now. And I said, what is it? She goes, it's the Art Institute of Atlanta. It's... Um, uh, someone that can talk to you about going to school there. And I said, okay. And so listen, when you grow up in a small town in Alabama, like I did Smith station, Alabama, hmm. we have one red light. I, I think today we have one red light still, you know, moving to Atlanta, Georgia would be like moving to Australia, you know, for right. somebody, it was a big scary move. I didn't know anybody. It's a big city. And so I called the um, consultant and, Started going to school at Art Institute of Atlanta in 99, graduated in 2001 with a commercial photography degree. Um, and my plan was to go back home and shoot weddings and babies and family portraits. I never really saw, I didn't understand where that could go and what the possibilities were. You know, fashion, editorial, and, um, you know, collaborative stuff and fine art. And it's just such a broad field. So that's kind of where I got started, honestly, was going fishing and hunting with my dad and taking photos of things I saw outdoors. Um, and then I started doing more catalog, more advertising. I was a fashion photographer and believe it or not, at one point I was shooting more hip hop CD cover stuff in Atlanta at one point than anything else I was doing. Um, yeah, that was big for a while in Atlanta for sure. Yeah, it was big to get your money too. Yeah. I had the greatest attorney on the planet. Um, she was on that Atlanta housewives show, Phaedra Park. And I'd go do a job for Akon or young Jeezy or whoever. And I'd call Phaedra and I'd say, I feel like I'm gonna have a hard time getting paid. And she'd be like, next day, call me and go, Hey, your check's ready. Go pick it up at the studio. And I don't know what she would do or call, but you know, that's where it went. But 
2008 happened and that was the recession. You know, we're about to go into a serious recession right now. And it was supposed to be a soft landing. And now the banks are in turmoil. I don't know what's going to happen. But in 2008, it was, you know, the worst, what they say, the worst recession we've had in a very long time. And um, I was evicted from my apartment. I um, was literally about to go bankrupt. And me and my fiance at the time decided that we were going to, instead of go partied up in Savannah, Georgia with all our friends, it was going to pay for our trip. Let's stay home and don't go do that. And two hours later, uh, during the Alabama-Mississippi State um, Final Four game, the Alabama guy hits a three-pointer at the buzzer. Nobody leaves the stadium, and a tornado hits downtown. And I took a picture of the tornado um, that was nom- nominated for a Pulitzer Prize that year. Um, and it just went – it went berserk, dude. I mean, got me back on my feet, got me back in my apartment, got confidence back in what I was doing. Um and that one photo literally saved my career. So people go out there and you know expect to get that great photo, but you never think that it's going to be a life-changing photo that you take. Is, it, is that one of the ones you sent? It is, yeah. What, the skyline of the city? Yeah, the, with the blue, the kind of the blue sky. Can you pull that one up? Yeah. And so if you're looking at this, this was 9, 9.38 p.m. at night. Um, what you're looking at is the wall cloud is wrapping around Atlanta. The the actual tornado is there on the left. The thing in the middle that looks like a tornado is what they call a scud bomb. And when you have a, a pressure with a tornado, it, it pulls all that atmospheric um, air to the, you know, into the sky. Once that storm starts to weaken, then it starts to fall back to the earth. And that's what you see there in the middle. And I mean, who who knew that this was right here was going to change my life forever? I mean, yeah, when, that's crazy. the next day, Good Morning America called, which I thought was a complete joke. I thought someone was playing a trick on me. And after Good Morning America, it was every news channel, National Ge- Geographic. Um, I mean, and it went, you know, people talk about five minutes of fame. This thing was like weeks, if not months of fame. Um, and it just was able to, you know, to put me back on the map. And I did a live video about this last night. You know, people talk about, oh, you're so lucky. And, you know, sometimes it's not about luck. I mean. There's somebody else watching after you. Why, why was I lucky? I, you know, that train didn't hit me instead of them. And, you know, sometimes there's an intervention that you got to look at. Um, and that's what this was. I think that I made the right decision not to go and party up in Savannah and go drink green beer out of the river. Um, and if I had done that, this way right here would never have happened. Yeah, luck is where preparation meets opportunity, right? Just like in fishing. <laughs> 100%. Yep. Uh, Chris says uh, his wife's ears perked up and said, I remember her. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Chris? What's Chris's last name? Oh, never mind. No, Chris Ross. He's, uh, he's from Iowa, but uh, I, can't, I can't say I, I don't know. My uh, my uh, knowledge of Atlanta housewives is very low. Is he a mine too? I mean, I've heard of it, but uh, I know nothing about it. Well, that's why we're doing podcasts. We're not watching BS like that. <laughs> yeah, so I guess where did the link have you did you, you said you obviously grew up small town so hunting and fishing was like part of what you did did you have an interest in tournament fishing or bass I mean like as a young age or how did that like connection develop over time Yeah so um probably when so my grandfather owned if you if you live in the area at all and I mean the Chattahoochee River area you should know a lake called Lake Oliver and Lake Oliver is probably one of the smallest lakes from the Chattahoochee chain you've mm-hmm. got you know the uh People think that, that Lake Lanier and Harding and they were dug by man. 
I mean, they're backups, right? They're backwaters. Right. And so Oliver just is one of the backwaters. It's located between Phoenix City, Alabama, and Columbus, Georgia. Um, and my grandfather owned a marina there. So when I was – even if you think about your last your, – or your very first memory ever, all my memories are from that boat landing. And um, I grew up on the water. My dad was a fisherman. He taught me. My dad's one of the greatest fishermen in the history of time. He taught me everything he knew. And I wanted to be a Bassmaster Pro, you know? Like that's the dream, you know, to, you know, to fish professionally. Um, and then when I was 20, probably 23, 24, me and my dad opened a barbecue restaurant up in Ufala, Alabama hmm. uh, called Phil's Barbecue. And it's still there. Uh, our recipes with Brunswick stew, baked beans, it's all homemade. Barbecue sauce is all homemade. And I did that for a while. And it was just, man, you know, 36 hours a day and, um, you know, eight, you know, at least, at least 12, 14 hours. Well, sorry. It was it was like fourteen to sixteen hours a day, and it seemed like those went you know weeks long. And me and my dad couldn't fish together, we couldn't hunt together. Either I opened the restaurant, he opened or closed, and you know it's got to be too much. You know, if you own a restaurant, you got to be married to it, and you're probably not married at all, actually. Um, so we did that for a while, and uh, I finally was like, you know, I just want to go to photography school, and and you know, not long after that, I did. Um, and the rest is kind of history. And if you do go by Phil's Barbecue, make sure you look at the nine pounder on the wall because that was my first nine pounder out, out of Lake Ufala. Nice. <clears throat> do you swing in there? Like, did you did you did you bypass it on your way to Seminole and grab no. some barbecue? Or no? Listen, it's like a homing device. Like my my car knows where I'm going. I get to Ufala, it's going to Phil's Barbecue. And I'm not tr- trying to put a plug in, but it is it is extremely good. It's cooked, you know, it's just cooked with um, uh, hickory and oak and you know, our, all the our recipes are still the same, and uh, I don't think there's only one. I think it's the only barbecue restaurant in town, actually. Do they do the Alabama white there? Oh God, it's dude. I hate white sauce. I've I'm tried. just asking. I've my never. St- I've actually never. I've had just about every barbecue there is, but I've never had the Alabama white. My my stepmom, she loves that stuff, and I can't stand it. And it's it's just the way you grow up. You know, it, our sauce is a thin mustard base. Actually, I'm working on one now, trying to get get it on the market that I perfected on. But it's not that Kansas City. They do have a, a thicker sweet sauce, but that white barbecue sauce, dude. I don't know. Have you had it? No. Yeah, you don't want to have it. It's like I feel mayonnaise. like I gotta try it just to say that I tried it. But like, <laughs> it's like mayonnaise with a mixture of some stuff that shouldn't be in there. <laughs> I mean, I've had like. The Eastern Carolina, the Western Carolina, the Kansas City, the Texas, the Memphis, like, but I've never had the, uh, what's the, what's the, the, the big sauce up there in your neck of the woods? Yeah, I would say up here, most of our style was probably influenced by Kansas City. Oh, God, dude. I'd rather have white sauce. <laughs> I, I actually like most of the time, I actually like a dry rub barbecue and then like just oh, yeah. a little bit of sauce. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that we did, and this is not, a secret but we would take um a a squirt bottle put maybe an inch of salt in the bottom um some vinegar and mix with water let that dissolve and then every time you raise the lid and turn the meat you spray it down and what Mm -hmm. that does it literally puts a rub on it every single time you're turning the meat that little tip is free there you go those but budgeting or bird you know uh, blossoming barbecue entrepreneurs. There you go. Well, you never know what you're going to get in this show. Uh, yeah. 
we'll uh, see uh, Bart's checking in here. We'll get we'll, we'll we'll start that one for later. Bart, you know Adam Bartusik? I probably do. Yeah, <laughs> tall, gangly looking kid. Always got a camera. Yeah. He, he followed Scott around for a while. Uh, Scott Martin. Who's uh, that? Scott Martin. Yeah. Does he fish with basketball? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a basketball player. Uh, I'm kidding. So obviously, you, you probably you you fish tournaments locally, regionally, kind of doing your shooting and fishing, right? Well, kind of thinking I want to climb the ranks, but I want, like, how did the how did you end up shooting more photos at the top level than? Um, did, when did you realize that you were, uh, I guess maybe you don't, do you wish you were fishing the pros versus photography? I mean, like now in, in retrospect, when you well, really see what they go through and what they do, do you wish you were at the front of the boat versus the following them around? I get a guaranteed paycheck. Mm-hmm. Now that's a good thing. Um, my passion to one day, you know, fish, even the Bassmaster Opens will always be there. Um, I tried fishing the BFLs. I even started in the Redman tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of telling my age. Um, like if you know what a Yugo is, but you know, I fished the, the Redman tour back in the nineties. And then after that, I, I decided to go you know, to photography school, but my passion has always been to, you know, to fish competitively. I, I love competition. Um, I've tried to fish the BFLs, but every time I sign up, I look at the Bassmaster schedule. I'm like, okay, well, Either I can fish two of these and, you know, whatever. So, you know, I, I would always like to go back to, you know, to be able to do that. But um, in, in 1999 or 2000, somewhere on there, Gerald Crawford, if you follow Bassmaster and you have been for a long time, Gerald Crawford is one of the greatest photographers in the history of, of following bass fishermen. Um, he retired, you know, years ago, but uh, he hired me at Lake Martin. And that day, the guy was a guy that broke the, the late record for the largest spotted bass I ever caught. I think it was like seven two. It, it, it looked like a mammoth. It didn't look real. Um, and so I, that was the first job I had with bass. And then I started, you know, working as a fashion photographer and a photo assistant for some of the guys uh, around Atlanta and around the world. And um, um, at some point, I was like, you know, I just all the stuff I was doing, I wasn't really happy with it uh, as far as fashion and the editorial stuff. And it was always like, I'm a country boy and I was right. downtown and there was a magazine, uh, it like a Conant come out and said I was the most metrosexual redneck in the state of Georgia, <laughs> which my dad, I had to explain to my dad what metrosexual was. <laughs> um, but just because I wasn't happy with what I was doing, I, I love the fashion side. So when I decided to go, um, back into the, the outdoor industry, I went in as an advertising commercial photographer and I gained like, you know, frog tog and uh, under armor and those kind of clients. Um, and then MLF called, I can say those words, right? MLF. And so they I mean, called probably it, FLW back then, wasn't it? You know, I worked for FLW for about four years and it was good. They were good to me and, you know, budgets got tight and I just couldn't do it anymore. And then uh, we broke away from that. And when MLF started, um, they wanted to bring me in as the lead photographer and I won't get into that story, but it fizzled somehow last minute left me hanging. Um, and so I called Steve Bowman at Bass and I was like, look, I said, you know, these guys have me booked for, you know, 10, 12 weeks and now I have nothing. Um, can you guys provide me something? And he said, well, I'm going to do my, my Steve Bowman voice. <laughs> well, boy, um, let's, let's give you a free trial. We'll see what we can do for you. And I said, well, you give me, give me a trial and then let's see what happens from there. 
and you know he's a great dude and you know they brought me in after that and i've been there ever since so basically you started shooting the elite series events so then what year you said uh well when i came back into the picture probably i'd say 2019 okay so that would have been the last time uh they went to the classic in 2019 that year yeah in knoxville i mean the classic was at knoxville so yeah oh which that's where i had food poisoning it's so the very the very first day in knoxville dude it, if you if you have never had food poisoning only wish that on your worst enemy it is a horrible thing and that was my introduction to bass was having food poisoning on i think it was day one of the Bassmaster classic actually hmm. bart says one of the highlights of his career mind you bart is young he's like Less than 30, probably. Maybe 30. I don't know. Um, was shooting photos of Gussie next to you on the Knoxville event after day one. Oh, nice. Is he the guy that got in my way? Probably. <laughs> he's, he's really tall and awkward, so chances are he did get in your way. So I know who he is. I remember him. Um, very cool. Yeah, so, like, maybe just look at a few photos. Like, I just I, – a couple that I uh, just kind of eyeballed. Like, there's a lot of uh, – uh llama slash fighter fans in uh in yep. our group here so that's a really cool shot of uh you know where that what uh what body of water that is um i want to guess that was a saint lawrence river because dude listen we get five and six footers up there and there's a cut uh when those boys come back off the big lake they have to cut into and if we've got some you know uh north i think it's the northwest wind is that right it's the worst one mm -hmm. it is Dude, it's crazy. And they, those boys come in, coming in hot. I mean, I would call this coming in hot 100%. I mean, that thing's not, the prop's barely in the water. I'm sure his marshal yeah. is, is white knuckled over there on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> Got the the OS bar gripped tight. So that's, I guess that's when he still had his bass cat. That's not the ballistic. Yeah. That cat can take it, dude. That's what I run. Yeah. And then uh, you got some uh, smally photos of old Bob here. Old Bob Downey. And see, here's what's great. So if, you know, we, we want to fill the field with marshals, but sometimes if the anglers don't have a marshal, then I politely ask, hey, can I, can I get in your boat for like an hour? And I sure. think these guys realize, you know, they don't want people getting their way. They don't want distractions. So I sit there like, a you know, not on the log and don't say a word. And then they go, you know, are you going to talk about anything? I'm like, no, dude, I want to watch you fish. But I get some of the best content, dude, when they allow me to get in their boat. And that's that makes me so happy right there. I mean, like that that photo right there, St. Lawrence River, that water you can see 20 feet down. Bob Downey was, um, I think he was in the top 10 at that point, And he just went to slaying them, dude. And it made my day. Bob, I, I can't imagine Bob being super chatty when he's fishing either. I know Bob. <laughs> he doesn't chat a lot now. But he's got a great family. I love his family, man. They always yeah. come to the ends and we're in the northeast. And and um, yeah, he's he's quiet, but he's a good fisherman. Actually, Bob ran into Bob on a lake right by my house because he used to live uh for a while pretty close to me in the cities here. And uh I had just gotten my 2005 Pantera, but I had got it used, and he was thinking about getting a cat, and he'd come and we whatever maybe he was an old nitro or something he's like man yeah i want to check out because i got back then in minnesota like <laughs> a bass cat was pretty rare and so yeah. we we got to talking and chatting and i think he ended up you know going forward and buying a used cat and he's been in bass cats ever since so yeah they're good boats dude and, and they're owned by great people and 
Mm-hmm. If you if you have a cat, I don't care how old it is. If there's a, a structural problem that happens or whatever, Rick Pierce, those guys will take care of you. And that's, you know, that's what, I mean, I've been a cat since 1996. Um, I had a bass cat Pantera two with a 150 on the back. And when I thought I was going pro. <laughs> and so back then you could only have a 150. I mean, can you imagine just having a 150 these days? You, you would, you'd get swamped. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, is it, do you have a favorite photo? like bass fishing photo from a tournament or just maybe an event. I don't know. I feel like as many photos you've shot, it would be hard to single out a single one, but maybe you can. Um, Oh, wow, dude. That is a tough question. So if you, if you look at my photos, um, I like to backlight everything. And, you know, someone asked me, a friend of mine, David Rams asked me the other day, you know, what's your, uh, what is your passion? Or I forget the way he worded it, but what is your, um, that drives you? with photography and it's light um mm-hmm. it's light and opportunity and so a lot of times when i pull up on some an angler all the photographers are crowded around on one side shooting with the light behind them which is good because it's contrasty you have nice highlights you, know, you have good shadows but if you get in the if you look in that gallery you'll see some some backlit photos um when you backlight somebody you can't get the real spray well, the fishing reel spray, you can't get the water off a of fish when it jumps. Um, the backlighting is stuff I learned when I was shooting for Riches and Bloomingdale's and Macy's doing plates and forks and spoons and bedding, which is crazy. Um, but, I said, man, there, there was, I tell you, there was one time uh, Todd Alton was fishing the Classic. And I remember the sun was coming up behind the trees. We had a lot of fog that morning, low-lying fog maybe three or four feet off the water. We had a little bit of a ripple in the background and Todd comes zooming in and puts the trolling motor down. He starts casting. Um, and I remember saying, Lord, if there was ever a time you're, yep, that was that, that was the day right there. I said, if there was ever a time that you would give me a gift, let Todd call, catch a five, a four or five pounder right now. And I wish I had that photo in there. I couldn't find it, but he did on a chatterbait. Did he hooked up on a four pounder? I mean, if you look at that fog off the water, see how the mm-hmm. everything kind of glistens and is sharp and sparkly. You can't get that from a front lit photo, only from backlight. And so probably that fish photo we we don't have um, is probably one of my favorite photos from, from fishing. Nice. Look at the spray and the, the weeds and stuff coming off that. That's insane. Got a more, little, slightly more serious question here. Uh oh, I'm married. Not too serious. Uh, <laughs> Frank wants to know. He says his daughter is interested in photography, not old enough for courses yet. But uh, what, what kind of advice? Um, you know, I would never tell a kid don't go to college because that's a bad thing. But I got to tell you, I mean, we we're lacking these days in plumbers and electricians and carpenters and whatever. Um probably going to photography school if i had it do over again i wouldn't do it and i tell young people this all the time and they never listen um if you're upcoming photographer and you're wanting to learn i know you can go to best buy and you can buy a camera just like i can you know right now but you know what i did when i was in 1999 is i wanted to be a fashion photographer so i researched and google the best fashion photographers in atlanta georgia and i was a photo assistant for five years that's all i did and the stuff I learned, you know, from being on set, hands on, 
I don't know why Siri, I mean, Alexa's talking right now. But anyway, <laughs> so that's really weird. Um, so anyway, so that was the best thing that I ever could have done is, is find your niche, find what you love to do, your passion, and call every, I don't care if the list is 100 people, call every single person in your area that is good at what they do in, your, in the genre you want to do it in. And the money's not bad. I mean, and listen, Atlanta, a, a, a photo assistant makes between four fifty and five hundred bucks a day. Think about that. Problem. I mean, like in your local, it could be somebody that shoots products. It could be somebody that shoots weddings. It could be yep. like right, like anything. And you could, you know, they they probably need the help just like everybody else does, right? So, and listen, I play really dumb. I go in not knowing nothing, ask all these questions because then they open up. If you go in there acting like you know everything, they ain't, they're not going to give you anything at all. They don't want competition. Listen to me. I want hard. I want someone's going to work hard. And these days, it's hard to find someone young as a photo assistant that works hard, knows what they're doing, um, is not on their screens. This is the worst invention known to man, I think. Um, not the cell phone, but you know. Except for you people watching this right now, <laughs> yeah. and it's completely okay. <laughs> not those screens. But, you know, get someone there that wants to learn as a hard worker. And, but, yeah, and listen, I started day trading two years ago, swing trading and day trading stocks. I learned everything off YouTube. And that's the thing about bass fishing. Like, you know, when I was a kid, this is no lie, dude. I had a, in, in my room, when I was 12 years old, I had my TV, my nightstand, uh, my poster of Superman. And then I had my filing cabinet that had nothing but Bassmaster articles in there. Fishing Lake Ufala in january with a whatever zip it out i'd tag it put it in a folder you know fishing whatever lake uh using um the tom man jelly worm went to a folder and um you know i you know then that's all we had but now kids can watch youtube and and their learning curve is ridiculous i mean look at you know with the garmin panoptics and lawrence active target and all this stuff i mean they can go watch a few videos in an hour and they blow our minds so I would, you know, tell your daughter, you know, to watch YouTube, you know, figure out what kind of niche you want to be in um, and then call your local photographers and be a photo assistant. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think, right, like, I, I guess I don't know a ton, but like maybe a camera is not in the budget, right? But I think just from what I've heard, right, like you could take your Android or your iPhone, get an app that allows you to do manual adjustments and settings, right? Go right. watch YouTube videos. Take what they say, go out and practice and get your reps in, you know, then you, you maybe get an assistant or some kind of apprenticeship, right? You take those first couple jobs, get a camera and then just kind of keep cycling right. and right. Like, I hate that the iPhone came out with portrait mode. Do you know why? Because <laughs> it uh, oversimplifies it or oh, man, makes everybody was... think they're a pro photographer or. Yeah, people, you know, they, they look at photos if I had, if someone said you can only have one lens in your bag, that would probably be my 70, my Canon 70 to 200, 2.8. And so what the iPhone did is they came up with the software. And the reason people like that is because if I do a headshot of an actor or whatever it is, they like that background to be soft. Um, and so to get that, you have to have, not to get too technical here, but you got to have that, that focal length, at a 2.8 aperture to get that background to, to, you know, go soft. And so iPhone came up with a way to do that in the software in the phone. And that's what portrait mode is. Mm -hmm. It, it, you know, I mean, it is what it is. 
let's see. Marty says, is there what pro? I guess maybe is there is there a pro that you always look forward to or one that's more fun or I, mean, I don't know maybe there is there a couple that like stand out to you that like you have the most fun with or they give you the best shots or they're like i don't know like well that yes there is i mean so you've got some guys that are hard to follow um most of the attitude guys left and went somewhere else um now that you know anglers are realizing that social media is just important is how good you are at bass fishing I mean, because to think about this, if you're a young guy and you're wanting to get in the sport, you got to have sponsors. If you don't have a YouTube page or a good social following, then you're you're in mm-hmm. trouble. Um, and so there's some. I mean, Swindle. I mean, you know, think off the top of my head. I mean, he's he's great to follow. Um, Lee Livesey. He. <laughs> I mean, Lee, and I don't know if you can find that photo on there, Rich, but um, there's one of Swindle. Yep, that was that's a good one. But Lee actually at Lake Fork when he won last time, the fish, the nine pounder was fighting to stay on the right side of the boat. And I was on the left. Lee actually pulled that fish to the left side of the boat so that I could get great photos. And so someone like that is, you know, definitely, you know, good to follow. Zaldane, um, he'll he'll do the same thing sometimes because they know how important. I listen, their bag weight's important. But right. also the content that we create is is um, content creators is important as well. Um, and there's some guys that made me John Cox. Listen, the guy never stopped smiling. Like he ripped a hole in his boat four feet long at the last tournament Seminole and almost sank. And so <laughs> when I went and did a little little story with him, um, he told about what happened, and he's just a happy dude. I mean. Our catalytic converters got cut off at um, the Sabine River a couple years ago, and he was one of them that got cut. And I did a little video with him on that. He was just a big smile, big nothing but smiles. There's one, and I, I forget where it's at. That's Micah Frazier. Good mm-hmm. dude. He, he's a local guy. He's probably on about uh, a few minutes from my house. I feel like you might have gotten wet taking this photo. That's me in the boat, actually. And so awesome. that photo, uh, Cabela's, no, not Cabela's, Gander Mountain. Remember the Gander Mountain? Yep. So <clears throat> I got a phone call from a, from a modeling agency in downtown Atlanta. They said, there you go. <laughs> and they said, um, we need some models to be in a video uh, for Gander Mountain. And so they called me, which I, I do a lot of model tests for the agencies. And she goes, look, I'm not calling you to book you for, you know, shooting some of my girls. Um, we want you to be the talent. And I was like, oh, boy, I'm, you know, 40 years old and, uh, you know, five, seven. What am I going to do? She goes, well, they, they specifically asked for a bass fisherman. And so I went and did the job. I made like, I think, 2,500 bucks for the day. And all I did was fish, just throw some lures. Yeah. Um, so that's that's where that. And then, oh, and then a week later, they filed for bankruptcy. And then I got this huge bag full of tungsten for 70% off. So everybody wins. There you go. Daniel says, you ever caught something funny on camera that I guess the bass wouldn't let you release? Oh, boy. Hang on a second. So this rod... (laughs) is a rod that Mike Iconelli broke over his leg 
during a shoot for Hobie. And I said, hey, dude, I don't want a lot, but can I get that front autographed? And then what I have is the pair of underwear that Matt Robertson was wearing on the lake. On Oahu? Yep. And they're clean. They're washed. And there you go. That's not about that. <laughs> that that question sounds like it was loaded. Oh, and they're autographed, by the way. In the crotch. Hey, man cave stuff, dude. You, you got to have conversation pieces. Well, Dave says stop skipping skipping some of the other ones. So yeah, we can go back to some of those. So we can just uh, let's see here. Like so, here looks like some of your uh, a beach shoot of some kind where you're working on your lighting and having them assist. It looks like yeah. So I've been shooting for Hooters for 22 years, uh, mostly mainly POS stuff. So point of purchase sales. You go in the store and there's a girl holding a plate of wings or a pitcher of beer. Um, we did some bikini stuff with the calendar. So that photo he's referring to was my photo photo assistance for the day. Are they able to see that? Huh? Are they able to see that one? Oh, you know what? <laughs> I just realized I wasn't even sharing the screen. What are you doing? <laughs> Man, is this your first time running a live stream, Rich? Come on. There it so is. yeah, here's the photo assistance that we were referring to. Yep. Um let's see here. They were very hard workers. My wife's a Hooters girl, actually. That's a different story, but yeah, we, we this this was your your long hair phase. Yeah, go to the other photo real quick next to it. Yeah, so yep, that was her weave or whatever you want to call it, and I was like, this is a great extensions extensions. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so I put the extensions on, and then um, I sent go back to the one with me wearing the hair. So I sent the photo with me wearing the hair to Seth um, uh, Seth Fighter. Okay. And he didn't have my number logged in his phone. And then he didn't respond. And I'm like, dang, I, I thought that was funny. So the next tournament, I go, how'd you like the photo I sent you? He goes, what photo? I said, the one with, with the girl in the red bikini and the Smith hat. He's like, oh, that was you? I said, dude, <laughs> you're not the only one with a mullet. <laughs> nice. Opportunity, man. Uh, so you talked about Lee. Yeah. So me, me and my wife, she's like. Some people may not recognize Lee in such attire, but. Uh, dude, you wouldn't recognize half these guys without a hat on. Yep. And so, so Lee. Shot, obviously you shot the wedding, I yep, take it. It was great. The cops got called. But listen, it's not a good wedding unless the cops come. It's a it bad day fun. to be a bush light at Lee Levis's wedding. <laughs> it was a fun deal. Actually, we're shooting Lee's sister's wedding um in october this year and she is marrying the guy that owns f5 rods that is a sponsor of tyler rivet rivet sure okay there's matt doing what he does so you know matt robertson's a very unique individual was this in knoxville i think so no, yeah. was... i think mm. it was was he ugly stick back then i don't remember he's still ugly stick i know but i feel like um I feel like this must be later. I don't know if this was Knoxville. Maybe. I don't think he was ugly stick when he and he didn't have he didn't have oh, I don't think he had well, the, the bass tattoo then either. I, I wanna say 
Because his first classic he fished, he wasn't on the Elite Series. This would have been when he uh, actually qualified through the Elite and then came like 2020 or 2021, I think. Something like that. Dude, you may be right. They all run together. Because that is a bass tattoo on his arm, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the sleeveless deal he did? Yeah. I, I think this might be – is there any chance this is uh, Fort Worth? Dude, I don't know. I feel I take, like that's when he went sleeveless and unveiled the tattoo and cut the sleeves off his jersey was at Fort Worth. I but. take about half a million photos a year for those guys, so it runs together for me. And my you mean every, every photo's not special to you anymore? <laughs> well, no, I, they are, in a way. <laughs> yeah, it's got the Mossberg sticker on there, so yeah, you may be right about that. I feel like it's a little newer. What else you got? Yeah, so so what else, what else? I mean, I guess if anybody in the chat, like if you guys want to hear the story behind one of these photos, let us know. There's one of Zaldane. Is that yeah. you? Yeah. So I tell the I live in Lake Lanier, outside of California, we are the the spotted bass capital of the world, hands mm-hmm. down, one hundred percent. I mean, when they're biting, you can go out there and catch you know a spot to weigh their four pounds almost every single day. Um, and so I tell the guys, look, if you have a day off, if you're coming through going to a lake that you're going to practice on, call me. And so I made a deal with Zaldane and I said, look, if you'll come through, teach me how to fish that big swim bait that you guys make, then, um, I'll do some content photos for you. So he did. And I don't know if you can see the photo of me holding up that big nine pounder, but, uh, Zaldane went fishing with me for a day. And then about a week later, I went back out and took that big swim bait and, um, I stuck 25 pounds in one afternoon by myself. And look, I grew up on Lake Eufaula. I've never put 25 pounds of, of fish in the boat by myself ever. Um, this one? Yep, that's the one. That's the big nine, too. So if I, a Lanier? Yeah. Well, that's that's a dang stud for Lanier. Like. Yeah. yeah. And I had another one that big. I tell you what, I would have busted 30 pounds that day if I'd have caught the other one that chased my swim bait out. But what he taught me was just like, gene. like my, my biggest thing is I was, you know, when, when they were biting it, I was snatching it. Well, yeah, that big swim bait's got those trebles in the bottom. And just like any other swim bait, you have to let them eat it. And I learned the hard way. But, you know, once I missed a few and locked in, dude, we, we put some meat in the boat for sure. I got home. This is no lie. I got home in my hands like this. And my wife was like, are you ready to eat dinner? I go, I, I can't eat right now. And she's like, why? I said, I just caught 25 pounds of fish in Lanier. I can't. Like, I can't even think straight. This is crazy. Then hmm. my neighbor, I got to give a big shout out to Frank Cancel. He's my neighbor that lives on the water who doesn't really fish a lot. Um, I called him and said, dude, please come down to your dock and take some photos because I'm about to release these fish back in the lake. And I got to document this because I may not ever see it again. And that bite's about to happen right now. As soon as we have this cold weather pulls out, we in the southeast, we had a weird cold spell. Um, that bite with the big swim bait's about to happen anytime now. Nice. I actually was in Atlanta last week. And you didn't call me. Yeah, it was kind of in and out thing. I didn't really uh I was literally I landed at eleven on Tuesday and flew out on three o'clock at Wednesday. Oh, wow. <laughs> Got you. I did think about it like when I was driving down there, I was like, I didn't really think that I didn't plan this out very well. It was kind of a last minute thing. Well, dude, keep um, me in line next time you're here. Try to stay extra day. I mean, I can't Eric guarantee says, that, but we can put you on some big spotted bass. Like, I grew up near 
Lake Martin in Alabama and those spots over there are different. I mean, the biggest one over there, probably the biggest spot I ever caught out of Martin, maybe three and a half, four pounds. Mm-hmm. I've been fishing all my life. Um, and here on Lanier, dude, it's just, that's an everyday occurrence. Someone called a 7-2 last week out of Ball Ridge Creek, I heard. I mean, that's a freak of nature. Let's go to Midget Wrestling. Find that one. Yeah, I guess Eric wants to ask because fighter is kind of a favorite down here. Is there any special protocol with guys that smoke that you got to work <laughs> around or like? I have a special filter I've built into Lightroom to edit out cigarettes. I mean, you know, here's the thing about about fighter is that that's what he does. All right, and then that's whatever. We all have our we all vices. have our have our vices. Yep. Um, but I can tell you this: when he sees me coming, I immediately see him put the cigarette out. And one thing he never does, you'll never see him do this. He would never throw it in the water. If in, in the back of his boat, I was with him one day fishing and he was pushing the, the um, uh, hot foot down and it wouldn't go because he had so many cigarette butts behind the pedal. They're just kind of wedged under where the rocker and the. <laughs> yes. I mean, these guys respect what we do. You know, I have mad respect for these pros. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they work hard. Anybody that says, oh, hey, go get a real job, you know, because I know I could win on this lake. Are you gone during your, your first baby's birth? Are you there for Mother's Day? Are you there on all these holidays? Are you there for all this stuff? Are you spending hours on, on getting tackle ready? Um, so I have mad respect for them. And one thing I've noticed over the last few years is that these, these anglers on the Bassmaster Elites have mad respect for the guys that cover them. You know, Andy Crawford, Dalton Tumblin, Kyle, you know, uh, Jesse, those guys – we all we all fish and we know how not to get on their fish um so the respect is is very equal both ways yeah i met dalton i think he was one of the lead shooters in the cross when i almost won the uh, northern regional for the bass nation oh really so you oh, no no actually no i met dalton at the bass nation championship the last time i went down in the washtenaw river that's where i met him last time yeah he's a good kid he yeah. learns quickly So you said you want to talk about this one? Yeah. So this is midget wrestling. I've got a few friends that are smaller people. That's Raphael there on the right. Um, this was shot in my garage, which I had built into a studio to do other headshots. And so I felt really guilty about going and watching midget wrestling at my local bar. And um, we, me and my wife decided to go and take some friends with us. And I was able to go backstage. I brought my camera and I got to hang out with them and, the thing is, is you have to look at them as they're entertainers mm-hmm. and they're athletes. I mean, the stuff they do, man, they're jumping off six foot tall, um, you know, ringside, hitting each other with trash can lids. Um, and I, I, I mean, I had the discussion with them. I said, look, I said, honestly, I feel bad about being here. And Raphael's like, dude, why? Like, you come to see a show, right? We're putting on a show. Are you enjoying it? Yes. And there you have it. It's done. And so now when they come through town every year, they come by the house and I set up a studio and we do their headshots for them in the garage. Um, the last time they came, they, they came a little intoxicated and, and my 86 pound uh, white lab was like bowling pins. He ran through the yard, knocking them over. My neighbor was calling like, dude, what is going on at your house right now? Like, cause sometimes I have models here. Sometimes I have product stuff. Sometimes we're shooting fishing in the yard. Um, sometimes you're drugging, bait fish you know i mean you never know what's putting some little benadryls and some and some blue like herrings 
And my neighbor was like, what in the world is going on at your house right now? So the point is, if you get a chance to go see Midget Wrestling, go see it and watch it as a spectator and enjoy the show and don't worry about, you know, feeling bad about it because that's what they do. They make good money as well. Yeah. So what what what's the story behind the glasses for the people that don't know? Um, so probably 10 years ago, um, if you're an Atlanta Braves fan, Phil Necro, who also called Nugsy, uh, one of the greatest, well, probably is and to this day and forever will be the greatest knuckleball pitcher in, in forever. And I believe uh, he was a Minnesota a twin as well at one point, wasn't he? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Either, maybe not. Maybe I'm mixing things up, but. So he wore these glasses to a, a charity event that I, that I do uh, working with Operation One Voice, which is um, we raise money for guys coming back from overseas that have been injured, and we take care of their family once they come. See, you know, if they come here to be to be re- rehabbed, uh, we take care of the family, their hotels, the cars, whatever. Anyway, so Phil gave me this pair of glasses a long time ago. <laughs> I didn't know you had that, and so I created a character a few years ago to have fun with it, and it's just kind of taken off. Is that John Cox? Yeah, this is the Can you, you talk, kind of talked about this earlier. We'll play the video in a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's hilarious. So yeah, so your the glasses. Anyway, so I created a character called Durants, and you know I started just just for fun. And listen, if you can do something that makes people happy or make people smile, um, every day when I put my dog Riffer in the car and we go to the grocery store, or we go to get something to eat, you know. I had a cop pull up next to me the other day and he was just like laughing and he rolled the window down. He's like, dude, I just admire your dog. Cause he sits there like a person, but you know, if you could do something to make people happy and make people smile, then, then I've, I've made, it's made my day. Right, so this is kind of your, uh, your comedic alter ego. <laughs> this is it, yeah. Is that a good way to. <laughs> hey, y'all there is here. We are in Lake Seminole. And I was here at the ramp just hanging out, getting autographs from pros like I always do. And uh, anyway, I ran into my buddy, John Cox. And John has a really cool story. He wants to tell us really fast what happened yesterday. Uh, so, uh, you know, Seminole's full of stumps. And uh, and I wish it was a cool story, like I was running back into some backwater or something. But I was just in the channel, you know, just, you know, being like, man, it's going to be a really good week. Right. And uh, I smoked a stump at about 40. Uh, and I think it had a little bit of rebarb in it. And it ended up... Uh, you know, half the stump uh, came with me, and uh, man, this thing just instantly started filling up with water. I didn't realize how big the hole was, batteries, everything. Man, I just gassed it, floored it wide open into the bank, and uh, crashed it up on the shore and saved, you know, losing all my stuff. But uh, we got it welded up, and it's good to go. We, I mean, fiberglass boat, we might have had to total it out. <laughs> this baby's good. And you know already, something though. I thought about, because you're, you're alive, and the boat's here alive. This is a very very christiany christian kind of churchy boat you know how i know that how's that because it's holy <laughs> <laughs> yeah john cox oh hey go to the next picture down with this the one? no go go straight down so that is a mailbox that i found at like seminole driving the back roads and i said you gotta be very careful about the male deer in this area because he might run out in front of you James Watts, that's that's Swindle's dog. Yeah, this is funny stuff, man. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you. So, if you want to see the lighter side of the, you can follow the Durants account on Facebook. Putting uh, that on the boat. And you know, I just, I just, I've tried to produce this stuff and, you know, plan something and, um, you know, 
ask questions. It doesn't work that way. Like I, I keep those glasses on me all the time. And when something happens and I'm like, you know what, that is a do rants moment right there. Um, and then I'll do, I'll do a quick video, but I've tried to do, you know, produce stuff and it doesn't work very well. Chris is a big Braves fan. You do anything with the, the Braves? I do not. I wish I did. Um, they hire full-time people as contractors and keep them on retainers. And so I unfortunately have not, I've shot stuff editorial for magazines, but I've never actually worked for the Braves. Hopefully we can do as good as we've done the last few years. We've lost some good players this year. So I think the other thing we, uh, I know you do a fair amount of, uh, the uh i don't know what the proper terminology is for uh the off-road yeah uh, what, what what do you call this um that's called king of the hammers it's um one of the largest off-road races in the world it's held every year in uh late january maybe early february um 156 now these may not be exact numbers but 156 miles of racetrack 12 hours long uh, my studio um, photo partner races in this this race right here. Mm. Um, it's insane. You, you these vehicles run 100 to 110 in the desert, wide open, and then they rock call and winch for hours up to the mountains. And um, my first year was last year. This year I worked for a company called Bronkbuster. You know the Bronco has become a really big deal. They have dominated in the last two years on this stuff um, because of their axle and some things like that. But um, this is a very fun time. Mojave Desert, I think it's called, um, oh, man, it's in California. Um, but anyway, so is the, I think this year we had 100 to 120,000 people in the desert, no running water, no electricity. And these cars, I mean, it's just like, um, it's mayhem. It's craziness everywhere. It's one of the most incredible events I've ever been to. That car right there hit a rock under the sand at about mm. – 50 miles an hour that's you see that dirt that's flying over to the to, to the right that's where he hit that rock at full speed it was nuts well i'm sure we got uh some hunt i uh, see so you, uh, you got some hunting stuff some retriever dogs yeah i'm sure there's some people that cross over into that space there is big time i do shot show and i cast every single year we got Taku's marinating yeah. baits. That's exactly what that is. He let, listen, dude. He lets those things marinate for a whole year. And I've heard him talk about that, or at least like six months to a year. Yeah. You know, he's got some kind of special Japanese juice he puts in there. He wouldn't tell me what that was. Did you smell it? Oh, yeah. It was marinating, son. It was like a dead deer on the side of the road. I've been there for about three weeks in the summertime. What's, what's the story on this one? So I'm a big hunter. I've hunted all my life. I do not squirrel hunt anymore. Um, I don't hunt raccoons anymore or trap them. Uh, but you got to have a balance. So, you know, with me killing things and eating them, I don't ever kill something and not eat it. Matter of fact, I, I run over a small deer at the St. Lawrence River last year, and I put it in a trunk because I was trying to figure out a, a way to, you know, take it back to Atlanta, but I didn't figure that part out. But anyway, so um, <laughs> this here is Sully, and he was one of our squirrel rescues. 
Uh, me and my wife have started rescuing flying, southern flying squirrel and gray squirrels in the last five years. Of course, me and my dad have done it all our lives. Um, and they're, you know, when you when you rescue an animal, and that's why I don't ever want to rescue a whitetail because I'll probably never deer hunt again. Their personalities and, you know, things they, I don't know, this is nothing like taking a small life. Um, you find a baby bird on the ground, you leave it. You find a squirrel, baby squirrel on the ground, you leave it for something else to eat it later. If you can raise that animal and release it back into the wild and see them two and three years later, my stepmom rescued a little finch bird. And dude, that was four years ago. And it still comes back to the house and sees them in the springtime. Hmm. So that's, that's Sully right there. This, this must be Seminole, right? Yeah. some Fuentes grabbing his line again. Maybe yeah. I'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. I actually tweeted about it because like the final day it started at like, you know, you saw it all week, and then the final day, it's like all of a sudden the fish started popping off, and it was like, yeah, I was, dude, I was cussing. I was a hundred yards away. I was cussing, dude, and and I told him, I said, look, you are a pro bass fisherman, and I'm a photographer, but let's talk about the line, you know, thing that you're doing, and you know, listen, he's a great fisherman. I hope he listened to some of what I was saying, but you know, what he did was impressive down there. This is Tyler Rivette. He is the worst about holding bass for photos and then letting them go. And that one almost went back in the lake. But he was just trying to get you a quick shot as he was bagging up and he almost tossed her back into Okeechobee or Seminole. Or... He said he wanted to show the guns and kiss the fish in the mouth. <laughs> well, the, yeah, I was going to say this must be Okeechobee because this uh, still has sleeves and it's still on his body. So it's Okeechobee. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, like I, I pay attention. I, you're uh, good. Inductional skills of when these photos were taken. <laughs> yeah, there, there's the boys right there. Now the guy on the left, I forget his name every time uh, I see him. It's Pat, right? Yep, yeah, Pat. That's right. Uh, I forget Pat. Uh, yeah, it's it's escaping me right now. But right, he, he does. Uh, we love you, man. I just forgot. Similar last... show to this. Uh, uh, it might actually stray cast Pat. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. But that's Matt Robertson in the middle. And then, and then Johnson on the right, they had gotten cut. And these guys, you know, when they get cut and you don't make the last couple of days, you gotta, you gotta go to the show and hang out and sign autographs and stuff. And so I, <laughs> they were mad. They didn't make the cut. There you go. Pat Renwick. That's it. Someone sent it, sent you that, didn't they? Yeah. Greg wants to know, craziest shoot you refuse to do if there was one. Gay porn. <laughs> <laughs> um, craziest shoot I refuse to I don't know. I'm pretty crazy. I mean, I've got stuff where I laid on the ground and had motorcycles jump over the top of me. Um, that's a good question. I don't know, because I'm kind of like the guy that if I can capture something that nobody else is doing, then I'm all in. Like that's a challenge. That's like challenge 100%. accepted. Yeah. So I don't, I don't refuse a lot. Maybe as you get older, you start to get a little wiser, but uh... yeah, I hope my health insurance comes down watching this video. <laughs> oh, the mayfly. Do you guys get those up there? Oof. Thick. I don't know if they're the exact same breeds, but yeah, I mean, like on our bigger lakes, like Malax and places like that, they get really bad. And the fish, no, well, it's not bad. The fishing goes crazy, right? 
Mm, well, it kind of it does, and then it usually flatlines, right? Like when it's when it's active and happening, but then there's usually like a hangover period, typically for us. Anyways. So when I on Lake Oliver, where I when I grew up as a kid, I started fly fishing, um, and the mayfly hatches, dude, is what I dreamed of as a kid from obviously May into June. But really, on the Chattahoochee chain, we don't see mayflies until June. Um, but we would have we'd have them so thick that Doppler radar would pick them up on the radar screen, and the fish would be stupid. And I have people come go fishing. Like, listen, my dad, we lived on a little road that had like eight houses. It was dirt. If I rode my bicycle around the corner where he couldn't see me, I would get whooped. But at the age of 10, 11, 12, I had a 14-foot aluminum boat with a eight-horse-powered Evan Root on the back. And as long as I wore my life jacket, I could go fly fishing. And so the Mayfly hatches, dude, was I dreamed of those things. And the fishing would go nuts. And people go, hey, why you got all the sticks in your boat? Well, if you if you fish around Mayfly hatches, you know that it's sunrise and sunset. They fly off. This is a horrible life, by the way. They have 24 to 48 hours to have sex, lay eggs, and die. And so I'd keep these sticks in my boat. And if the wind started blowing, which made them go back onto the trees, I'd throw the stick in the bushes from the boat. Mayflies come off, go in the water, and catch more fish. Bluegill start feeding, bass start coming in. Yeah. Yep. Start, excite the food chain. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, up in Lake of the Woods, where we'd go wally fishing every summer in June. Um, but yeah, also called mayflies up here, but they're typically the worst in June. <laughs> but like, if it was bad, there would be times where like, well, they would turn off the lights in town at night. <laughs> because like, if you left lights on like a Coke machine, whole coke machine would be blacked out with mayflies yeah. the street lights would just be completely covered um when it was really bad you drive down the road and you would just hear like crunching under your tires there was so thick up there sometimes yeah. like where it has to be like you know it could actually get like dangerously greasy on the roads if the mayflies oh, wow. are bad enough we don't have hatches like that here anymore pollution has just decimated them which is sad because i mean that's that's a fly fisherman that's their dream right there is a mayfly hatch sure and there's all, you know, you know, the the bass team of photographers, we can't help it. We always take pictures of birds and things going around us. And especially an osprey landing into a nest with, you know, building a nest like that was something you just can't pass up. Um, yeah. Is there like a, a rivalry of any kind between the photographers as far as like nature shots or fish shots or like what kind of things do you guys like? I got the shot today. Like what, 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 what do you guys like? You know what I'm saying? Like uh, uh, try to one up each other. What types of shots? Is it? The fishing shots? Is it other shots? Like, what is the? I'm sure you guys got like a private group text where you're like, ah, check out this one. Oh, like, we do. And there was someone that got added to that group text one time by accident, and they were like, this is like a, a freak show. <laughs> but so Steve Bowman, uh, if you don't know Steve Bowman, he's been working for Bass for a long time. He loves bird shots. Mm-hmm. He likes he likes to see bird shots up close and bird shots building nest and blue heron shots. And <laughs> actually, Steve Bowman hates bird shots. He he. He gets onto us all the time about it. And, you know, the thing is, when you see something like this going on, you can't not put it in the gallery. One thing I have learned from Steve Bowman is that, you know, and I, and I hope people realize this, those gallery, galleries that we build um, on the website every day is very hard work. And it's about telling a story. It's not just about taking a great photo of this and a great photo of that. Um, our job is to create a story in every single gallery. 
And unfortunately, Bowman, those birds are part of the story. Uh, <laughs> but there is. If someone gets a really good bird shot, and, and the funny thing about it is the best bird shot I've ever seen was from Steve Bowman. It was a blue heron fighting a comorant, what they call him. And like wings back, and the, they were about to, yeah, they're going at it, dude. And so there is a, a bit of a competition about who gets the best bird shot. Nice. I guess what else? I mean, I guess one of the things we'd like, is there any like, I don't know, inside nugget stories you can, things that you maybe saw on the water or behind the scenes that didn't make it on the galleries that you can share or something funny or interesting or. Well, there's, there's arguments that go on that, you know, still photos we can't tell. That's always fun to listen to. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you know, these guys, I can tell you, I, I've been doing this for a very long time. And this, this Bassmaster Elite team that we got now, they're probably the best group of pros I've ever seen in my whole life. And they have great camaraderie and friendships as well. But sometimes you got to, you know, you can't step on someone's toes and people will, you know, they'll squeeze a little bit and, and let you know, Hey, you know, I didn't see you here in practice. These are my fish, whatever. Um, but you know, there's some, some arguments that go on behind the scenes. It's kind of fun to listen to that we never get you know to talk about, but it's all about demanding respect, you know, and, and um, I'm just happy. I'm just happy to have the opportunity to be here. I mean, because if that other bass, organization hadn't just not called me back i wouldn't even be having this conversation with you right now so i'm very grateful for bass and what they've done and where they're going and and well what we you know, what we're able to produce and put out there for everybody to watch yeah very cool and you're going to be at the classic shooting so 100 and i, I hope mean, i get food poisoning this time what's that <laughs> i hope i don't get food poisoning this time there you go well you know where not to go right like you won't go to the dude it was shrimp cocktail don't order that if you're working. Yeah, I, I, to me, shrimp cocktail is uh should be ordered in states that touch oceans, and Tennessee is not one of those states. Last time I checked. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. There's 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 there, there's some free tips from Hella uh, for you guys watching at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, I guess you're going to be working your butt off, but chances are, if they go to the takeoffs in the morning, right, they'll probably see you bouncing around taking photo. No, you don't do takeoff photos. Well, I'll be so what they do is they spread out the whole entire lake and they they put it in quadrants and then we get assigned I mean because think about the crowd mm -hmm. you know we have you know ever how many people there and then trying to get launched with all those guys we will usually launch somewhere else and uh, section sure. the lake off and do it that way but I mean you might I don't know and I always love going to the show which I never get to do so I usually I'm on the water until you know one or two o'clock and then doing galleries on the water one or two times a day and then I go straight to weigh in and shoot behind the scenes of the weigh in, which I really enjoy. And that's something we didn't talk about is Bass has asked me to, to do behind the scenes of each mm -hmm. weigh in. And none of the guys like doing that. <clears throat> um, but I look for dogs and babies and interesting people. When you say none of the, you, the other photographers or the anglers don't like it? The, the other photographers. Okay. And so it's, you know, it's just about, you know, getting in people's faces and, um, you know, getting pictures of their, of their dogs and, uh, this cat, you know, it's all about telling the story. I mean, the, what we want to do is build with these galleries, make people want to be there. feel like they're there and doing the behind the scenes at the way ends is, um, something I actually enjoy doing a lot. 
So you're going to be at the weigh-in and you'll be getting photos of Carl Jockamson's crazy fan, like the 50 people flying from Australia. So you'll be in charge of getting photos of that kind of stuff and absolutely telling that story. Yep. Cool. Yeah, I suppose they, they let the takeoff photos. They give that job to like J.O. or somebody like that. Somebody yep. can just kind of James oversees that stuff, dude. He's he is one of the best out there. I mean, he's I mean, he's probably the one currently that's the biggest or most recognizable, right? Like yeah. name Ben. I mean, yeah. but uh, he's a great. If you get to know him, he's like um, one of the one of the greatest guys. I mean, he's he's funny. You know, he's um, he's in the trailer every single day in the miniature when I get back. You know, we get off the water and. He always gets the greatest photos too of shooting out the media trailer door. Like he'll have a you know fish schooling or you know a, a heron getting bait. And I'm like, dude, where'd you get that? He goes, right outside the door over there. Like his <laughs> his his accent's incredible, but he has got a great eye for. He's a very artsy outdoor photographer, if you can mm-hmm. say that. Like he calculates every photo he takes, and it's all about creating that composition and the art and. That's what a lot, a lot of people miss, actually. Yeah, and I actually like it when uh, Jo, like in recent years, on the a lot of times on the live mix. Right? I mean, yeah. not that you have time to watch live mix, right? But they'll have him hang out, you know, with a couple pros who didn't make the cut, and that's probably some of the best, uh, uh, you know, commentary out there yep. is from Jo. So you love man, my and get us one of our our employees that was are in. in uh, I was here, you know, I guess the last couple of years. Geddes is gone now, but great dude. And he could, he could impress, uh, did an impression of Jay. It was incredible. Man, how was that out there on the water today? <laughs> Very cool. Um, so what, yeah, anything else you got exciting coming up outside of, I mean, you're going to be, I mean, I mean, people can see you hopping around weigh-ins the rest of the season. So if anybody's going to, you know, events throughout the season, you might, you might catch a clip of uh, Shane working hard and then you can check out his, you know, you can see him doing all of it and then you can tune into Bassmaster afterwards and see what the final product looks like. Yeah. And come by, let me get a behind the scenes shot. We'll put it on the website for you. Yeah. So if, if you were, if you know, like uh, when we, well, we're trying to get coming up, not this year, but you know, you, you go up to New York and you know, you want to put on a, a, a fighter mullet and get your buddies together in the crowd or cut your sleeves off. I mean, that, that's a great way to get in the gallery. I mean, Shane will make sure that's part of the story. 100%. Yeah, I'm excited. So as I told you beforehand, I just, uh, I booked airline tickets to, uh, the classic. So I've been talking about trying to figure it out and I, uh, I'm going for sure now because, finally figured out but things worked out where my work got me close enough to make it an easy drive uh so that'll save me some cash for getting down there so good deal someone's gonna copy that and go with impersonate you right now yeah (laughs) i'm do some hangouts at the expo meet some people it'll be kind of cool um, I don't know, probably, probably at the Camus booth or something like that. I don't know, figure out yeah. someplace to kind of unofficially hang out for half an hour when I'm not walking around and, and meet a bunch of the people that are always hanging out in the chats and things like that. And Knoxville is one of the greatest places to go for the, for the classic because everything's kind of close together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of downtown, a lot of great restaurants. I think that Knoxville is probably one of the best places I've ever been to, you know, with the classic. Yeah. I mean, take off way in expo was what five minutes circle dude i hate those classics where you know like birmingham oh my god bro 
and you drive an hour, hour and a half to get to the ramp. And I, I'm from Alabama, but they have roundabouts with red lights, which makes no sense at all. You get through those things, and then and then you got to leave early to get back to the to the way in. Those things are brutal. But you know, it is what it is because we have to pick places that have a big enough venue to house 150 or whatever thousand people it is that come through. Um, I don't know the numbers, so nobody you know dog me on that. But you know, we have a very very large um, uh, group of people that come to one in Knoxville, and it houses everybody. You got great hotels, you got good restaurants, and the ramp is literally right there in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. And we have a great vendor show. I mean, you know, ICAST is great, but it's, it's not a cash and carry. It's where you go, and if you're a buyer, you buy stuff. I think the Bassmaster Classic um, is one of the best cash and carry shows out there, hands down. Yeah, it's the biggest. I think they say it's the biggest bass, or I don't know if it's the biggest fishing or biggest bass fishing consumer show by far. I would agree with that. And this will be my first one. I have not been to one. So, really? Uh, not, I don't think I'm going to the weigh ins because I, I still think like Shane young dreams that I'm going to get pulled in and then Shane's going to take my picture. Yeah. That's that's the first time I'm going to a weigh in. So we'll, we'll see if we can still make that happen someday. I call that long lens, my sniper lens. So yeah. if you're eating a piece of pizza or licking a baby's head or something, I'm definitely going to capture that. <laughs> nice. T one D Steve says he's heading down. Well, let's uh, I'm going to definitely will post it up on things where I'm going to be. I don't know if I'll do a stream next week cause I'll be traveling, but uh, so yeah. Uh, Tim says riding with you guys. Hell with BTL. That's right. Two weeks in a row. Pangers going right on top of me trying <laughs> to keep me down. He's got Milliken on tonight. So that's mm-hmm. a lot of clout over there that we're competing against tonight, but who else is classic bound? How many we got watching? Yeah, who, who else in the chat is going to the classic? Let us know. Kyle's going down from uh, Ohio. Nice. Kyle Norris. AJ says never heard of her. Good point. Agreed. <laughs> My, well, if my you one got... chat faster than this one. Mark says, I'll be there from West Virginia. Nice. Well, if any of you guys see me, especially at weigh-in, I mean, you, you probably won't see me on the water, but if any of you guys see me at weigh-in, definitely grab me. Don't worry about, oh, he's busy. I'm not going to talk to him. Definitely grab me and say what's up, whatever, and, um, and let me get a photo of you guys for the gallery. Tim says he was at Hartwell. Not sure he's going to make it to Knoxville. I know there's definitely a few other people that are regulars. They probably got uh, distracted by BTL tonight. But uh, you know what Hartwell's known for? Home of the two pounders. Like yeah. they, just, they just hardly get bigger than two pounds. It's crazy. I feel like they're trending a little bit better these days. I feel like it's on a little bit of an upswing. They're getting some bigger fish, but yeah, that I could definitely see that for a long time. I don't know if it's the herring. Like, I mean, we're Herring Lake, Hartwell. I mean, literally, Lake Lanier and Hartwell is like identical twins um, as far as the structure, um, you know, how the, the landscape is. So I don't know if it's because of, of the herring population, but there's something definitely different between here and there. And we have different strains of spotted bass. We've got the Alabama spot. We've got the Kentucky right. spot. And one grows big, one doesn't. So I don't know if it's a different strain or what. 
Yeah, and I think just different lakes cycle and balance out different, right? I know, like, I think the largemouth are, I think the spots are starting to get bigger on Hartwell from what I hear. And also largemouth are maybe not as common, but they're now they're starting to get a little bigger. And so I think lakes all cycle and balance and Mother Nature does their things. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, there was, I want to say the team championship, like two or three years ago for Bassmaster, like there was some like t- mid 20 pound bags, like high 20 pound bags caught in like November, right? On Hartwell. So, I mean, it's got biggins and I mean, it's, it's a massive fishery too. It spreads out. I mean, it's sprawling. Um, yeah. So. Well, any other questions you guys got? Yeah, I was gonna say last time, last call for questions, and if there's any photos you saw me flicking through that you guys wanted to touch on, let's. Uh, I, know, I guess I kind of want to know about this. Uh, I'm gonna bring one up here. Jimmy's always a, a popular. Um, so what? What's the story behind this photo? So we were talking about um, having hair when you get older, and. Uh... I had just gotten a haircut actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Jimmy pulled his hat off and I said, man, I want to have hair like that when I get to be 60, 65. And so that's kind of what we were doing, just having fun and, and, you know, doing his thing. <laughs> I hope my hair is that blonde. My hair used to be blonde when I was a kid, actually. I was a, I was a, I was a toe head. There's a lot of toe heads up in your area, actually, for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh-oh. I got older and now it's like, you know, dark again i'm like well i still act blonde but i guess i'm not blonde anymore delton must have heard his his ears ringing from earlier when we were talking about him (laughs) what do you say i guess i'll show up yeah at the end sucker yeah delton i was saying that uh i remember you shooting the uh nation championship at the watchtower river that uh that maddie wong when i was there fishing so and i thought you did a fantastic job covering that event So this is a good one, I guess. I mean, uh, but I guess as a still photographer, you don't probably ride as often in boats, right? As the video guys do, right? Like, yeah. The only time that we can get in there is when they don't have a marshal or or a video guy. Sure. And is that like do you ride? You don't typically. You said you kind of bop in and bop out. You don't ride all day with the same. No. I don't. So typically, I just, they're they're like fishing. You pull up, right? You you your your camera boat driver brings you up, drops you in and you hang out for 30 minutes or an hour while they fish this pocket. And then you like hop on and find a different guy or something like that. I just feel like I'm um, in their way or Mm -hmm. I'm could to be doing something mentally to them by being in the boat. I want them to be as natural as possible. I mean, that's why I sit there and don't say anything. Now, if they want to crack a joke with me or whatever, then we'll crack jokes. But um, I'm just there, you know, quiet and just shooting, you know, you know, behind the scenes kind of stuff and getting different angles, whatever. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. we, we don't, we ne- are never in the boat from, from takeoff to the end of the day as a, as a photographer. Right. Do, do any of them, uh, I don't know there's some video guys they say are good luck charms. Has anybody ever said that you're a good luck charm and when you, they catch them when you come around or are you, are you, are you looked at as the opposite? Are you the jinx? A lot of, they're like, oh, Durant's is here. I'm not going to catch any. Brandon Cobb. He does not like me coming up on him when he's catching fish and Dalton, if you're listening who is the guy that there's someone that doll? Oh, Tyler Rivette. He does not like Dalton covering him. <laughs> and we laugh about it, but you know what? I try to break that mentality because fishing is a mental game. Right. And, and when you get spun out and you're doing well and the next day you don't do crap, 
and your mental starts to get to you, it is a serious thing. It affects the way you fish. It affects your decisions. And the last thing I need is Brandon Cobb <laughs> to be going, God, I hope Shane Durant doesn't cover me today. And so I try to break that mentality, cut jokes about it, and get them not to think about that because it, it's something. It, it actually affects me as, you know, with, with my job. And I'm like, shit, you know, I got to cover Cobb. He's not going to like seeing me. And, you know, I'm not going to get any good content. But um, it, it is an issue actually sometimes. We got to get you a ghillie suit when you're out there. So they can't tell they can't tell whether it's J.O. or Dalton or Durant. They don't know who's rolling up on them. Just, I'm uh, going to give you a mask that looks like Sago. Because Sago just, brings good luck to everybody. Yeah, everybody it's, wants to see Sago. I'll just show up with a Sago mask on and speak Japanese to them. Just get a little phone recorder to just play some Japanese <laughs> right. clips in your pocket. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Tyler, my neighbor, heading out. My kids Minnesota? go to school in Farmington. So, <clears throat> uh, how far a drive is that? For, so, if I drive there, it's ooh, fourteen or fifteen hours. Oh, you're gonna fly, sure. So, I, I have a workshop bringing me to Indy, and so I'll just buy. I think it's like five and a half hours from Indy. So, yeah, and then I'll fly home out of Knoxville. But. Got you. Well, cool. Any other questions? Tim says he hears the Johnson brothers aren't big fans of the camera. Uh, is that the video? Maybe they're not fans of the video. I don't know. Oh, I, I mean, I haven't heard that. I mean, they, the Johnson brothers have complete opposite personalities. Mm. Um, you know, Chris is more, he's a bit more laid back, kind of open, talks to you a little bit. And Corey's more, uh, works hard, focused on fishing, you know, doing his thing. Um, but I, I mean, I've never had an issue with the Johnson brothers at all. Yeah, right on. Well, I guess I didn't even get rolling in the beginning. Didn't even thank Arsenal Fishing and Omni and everybody for supporting the channel and the stream. I'll mm-hmm. roll the uh, the discount codes down there for anybody that uh, has forgot about them. But uh, yeah, it's been fun. We uh, hour and a half. I feel like the questions have simmered down. Had a good time. Uh, I look forward to. Uh, I don't know if I'll bump into you down in Knoxville or not. There's a lot going on down there, but uh, my headquarters is in Atlanta. So one of these days, I will give you a call and. I'm not afraid to catch some spotted bass. So you just bring it, dude. I got you. I have been to Logan Martin one time in the spring, and that was probably the best jerk bite bite I was ever on fishing for those kusas on a jerk bait. Those are some mean animals, dude. Like it's the only place where I was like jerking. And like, you know, most places, right? It just loads up, right? As you pull, right? But it was like when they hit it and your route go back the other way. Like they would hit it so hard and just run. Like you just get like they would pull back. So oh yeah. Well, just promise me you get here, Rich. You're going to come come see me or call me for sure. I'll take you. I promise. All right. Yes. So if you guys are at the expo, I'm the guy with the custom visor. <laughs> I thought Byron Velvet started that. No, he just, did he, was he have a regular visor? I thought he always had regular visors. Uh, I don't no. remember him cutting them off. I think him and, and um, he and uh, not Aaron. Black I mean, and yellow. Schultz has always rocked a visor. Black and yellow. Uh, black and yellow. Who's black? Skeet Reese. Skeeter. Uh, yeah, back in the day, Skeet rocked the guy, the visors. Oh yeah. Um, but they've always gotten the regular ones. You know what I mean? Like they, you know, there's oh, they cut them off with like... a pair of scissors. What's that? They cut them off with a pair of scissors. No, I feel like you see them in their photo galleries back in like 2006, 2008. They always had like pre-made visors. 
Yeah, I don't know. I know Byron had cut off because they were all furry at the top. Okay. Yeah. Velvet definitely had visor hair for sure. I mean, like. <laughs> yeah, right. Tacklecraft wants to know what's the biggest spot you got on. Oh, that's me. Uh, probably yeah. only like three pounds. Wasn't it? But they, they, I mean, they're a Kusa, a three pound Kusa spot is a mean animal. Like they fight <laughs> and like they're, uh, it's like a three pound Somalia. Or, I mean, it's, it's aggressive. It's. Is that blown out too much? Can you see that? There's a mag. Six. Probably... Uh, six. Hang on. Let me turn this off. So that's a linear. Yes. Yeah, that's hard to see in it. Yeah. That was sorry. six, eight, I think. That's a full grown one. Yeah. That's a big one. And are they Kusas in the Lanier? I'm pretty sure they're Kentucky. You know what? I don't want to answer that because I, I don't know. They're they're not. I'm pretty sure they're the Kentuckys or Alabamas. I would love for someone to actually school me on that because I don't know the answer to that. And do and does Hartwell have the same spots that we have here? Now, I've heard that like in Clear Lake in California that produces big 9 and 10 pounders. I've heard they came from Lanier. Yeah, I've heard they were. Alabama spots or the Coos, yeah. like they were the. All right, see you around, Dalton. Um, yeah, so we came in late. I think there were some good stories tonight. We didn't get like super technical in the the X's and O's efficient, but I thought it was fun hanging out and, and getting some stories and and learning about what it's like to be a an outdoors photographer. So if you guys came in late, watch the replay, Facebook, YouTube, or search Halabas on your favorite mp3 uh i think it was fun and uh, we'll probably do it again sometime maybe at, at the end of the season maybe we'll do this again absolutely you guys enjoyed it you guys make sure you check out uh shane durant's productions on facebook and shane durant's with no spaces on instagram and if you get really bored you can check out durant's on facebook d-e-w-r-a-n-t-z for a couple yep. of chuckles I'll try to throw some of those links in the description for afterwards so that people are uh, for the lazy people. So Rich, thanks for the invite, dude. This was fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was fun. Like we can't always talk, talk X's and O's every week and it's, it's fun just to kind of lay back and have some fun and tell some stories. And it's uh, sure. Like, next time we're just gonna have to do it uh, while we're reeling in some spots. Dude, I'm in 100%. Yes. Couldn't agree more, Daniel. Everybody uh, harass Panger and tell him to do his weeknight streams on Tuesday or Thursday. <laughs> Appreciate it, dude. Well, as always, here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. See you, bro. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.